So if you have your Bibles this morning and you want to follow along with us and you want to turn to Philippians, the first chapter, verses 27 through 28. I was writing to the Christians. We make everything more complicated than it should be. I know this week there were people that were worried about, are we going to have enough half hot dogs to serve everybody? Are people that were worried about, are we going to have enough people to help with all the activities we've got going on? Are, 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 are we going to have enough time to get in everything that we want to get in? Are, are we going to have enough time that our crafts are going to be ready? By the end of the week. And we complicate life so much that we look around and and I know people that they wake up in the morning thinking they're already behind. You ever do that? I've done that. One Sunday afternoon I had laid down and in a rarity for me, I had fell asleep in my recliner. And Katie let me sleep. And a storm came in, and and it got real dark that afternoon. Now, the job I was working at the time, I I would go in or leave the house around midnight. So it's dark. So I was in the recliner, and and all of a sudden I woke up, and I looked at the clock, and it said 5.05, and it was pitch black. And in a panic, I jumped up and I was running and trying to get stuff thrown together and get everything. And Katie goes, what's the matter? And I said, I'm late. I'm late for work. I I can't believe I overslept like this. And she said, Michael, it's only five. And I said, yes, I was supposed to be there five hours ago. And she said, it's five in the afternoon. So when we ate supper and I laid down in bed, I laid there and stared at the clock the rest of the night to make sure I didn't miss midnight. complicated my life so much that it overwhelmed me that afternoon. And we see churches that overcomplicate what God wants done in the church. We see churches that, oh, they, they, they build this spectacular events and they have all of these activities and they're fine and they're great and I encourage people to get together and to share what God's done and to talk about His love. But Paul said here in Philippians 1, 27-28 He said there's just one thing. Just one thing that we as Christians should do. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I I come and I see or I'm absent, I will hear about you and that you are standing firm in one spirit and with one mind, working side by side for the faith that comes from the gospel. One thing that we are to do as Christians Father, this morning we we are so grateful for the children that came last week, Lord. Father, for those that that came, 
Father, and brought their hearts to you. Father, brought their lives to you and said, I want to be with you forever, and I want you to be a part of my life. Lord, we are so thankful for that. Father, for the teachers and the workers that helped guide and to mold and to shape those hearts and minds, Lord, we, we are just so thankful for their willingness to serve. But Father, now we ask that you put a burden in our hearts that we nurture and, and we water and Father, and we grow. Father, we help these young men and women that accepted Christ and they've asked you men, Lord, Father, that we are the example that, that they look to. Father, that we are standing in one mind and one accord. Father, one spirit guiding and directing and leading us. And Father, taking us where that you want us to be. And Father, we are so thankful that your son that came and died on the cross. Came and died for all men. All mankind. Women, men, boys and girls, Lord. And Father, that if we accept that, just like the song just said. If we accept it, believe it and confess it. Father, we're yours. Lord, we thank you for that opportunity. We thank you for this church and the community, Lord. And God, we just ask now that your word is heard this morning. Father, that not us, but God, you're the one that's lifted up. Lifted up higher than all men, Lord. And Father, that we could all be drawn to you. Father, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, Paul said there's just one thing we have to do. And that's to be like Christ. Now, Paul didn't tell us in the first chapter here how to be like Christ. But if you go to chapter 2 and you start in verse 5, you'll find what Paul was directing us to be. Paul said that, Make your own attitude that of Jesus Christ. You ever have a bad attitude? I've told y'all, I can get road rage in Walmart. That that 20 items or less line is going to make me lose my religion somewhere down the road. I know it is. Because when I'm standing there with two items in my hand and somebody in front of me has a shopping cart, rounded over, I know that's not 20 items. And my next pet peeve is, they're standing there, yeah, okay, yeah, uh uh-huh, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm I'm on the phone. If you're going to talk, step off. Now, my wife is very good about reminding me that where I am employed right now, When I I get that situation, and we walk out to the truck, and I get that stare all the way out. Guys, you know that stare. And some children used to know that stare, like, when I get you home, and there ain't nobody looking. And I get upset. My attitude is not that of Christ. Because if my attitude was that of Christ, it would be here. Let me help you unload this cart. 
But my attitude is, here, let me push this card over here to the line that's not 20 or less. My attitude needs to be that of Christ. It needs to be that when I see someone that I have compassion for, that I'm concerned about them. When I was growing up, we always heard, if an elder walks in the room, you better be standing and they better be sitting. Any of you grew up that way? That was the way I was taught. And if it was a pregnant woman that walked in, every chair in the room emptied out. Here, honey, you take any seat you want. And you know why we did that for pregnant women? Because that was a baby, somebody's grandbaby that you were going to get to love and to spoil. This morning as we come into church and we have people come in visiting and not have been a regular member here, was our attitude to go greet them or to look at our wife or our husband and go, you know who they are? What is our attitude? And where do we keep our attitudes at? Paul went on to say, who existing in verse 6, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. God's Son, His very own flesh and blood son on this earth did not use it to his advantage to who his father was. We want to use it to our advantage that we woke up this morning. Well, I don't know why they expect me there at 945. I don't know why they expect me there. I can do what I want. Paul said he didn't use that for his advantage. When Christ was walking on the face of the earth, he could have said, Father, I want this road in front of me to be pure gold. And it would have been paved. It would have been smooth. But it wasn't. Because his son walked the same roads that we walked, His son traveled the same path that we travel. And his son went through the same hardships, heartaches, loss, and sufferings that we suffer. To give us the example on how to live. And what to live for. Paul went on to say that we as Christians, we as Christians... If we're going to live like Christ, in verse 7, he says we need to empty empty out ourselves. Empty out everything that's got us inside. Now that's hard for me. That is, is, is hard for me. I'm used to being the problem solver. I'm used to being the one that my daughter would say, Daddy, and I would run. 
I'm the one now that if I hear one of my grandchildren crying, I've got to go find out why. And if it's something I can fix immediately, I do that. Why? Because I don't want to empty myself out and give it to God. If we empty ourselves out, what does it what do we think it do, does? If we empty ourselves. We think it makes us vulnerable. We think it makes us weak. But when we empty out ourselves, it gives us the opportunity to be infilled with God and His love and His grace and His mercy. So this morning, to do the one thing that we need to do is to live as Christ. We need to make sure our attitude is that of Christ. And we need to make sure that ourself is emptied out. That we pour out everything that's in our lives that keeps us from being closer to God. Our desires and our wants needs to reflect God's desires and wants. This morning as as we watched that video, and we saw some of the children with the little beach ball race. You ever tried that? Where you stand back to back and you got the beach ball and you're trying to get from point A to point B and you put it in the basket. And how many of us become upset because the person behind us is not doing what we're wanting done and, and they're getting upset because we're not doing what they want done. The church operates that way. The church operates in a way of, I want to do it this way, and you want to do it that way, but we've got to do it God's way. We've got to do it the way God wants it done, or we're not going to be Christ-like. Paul went on to say here in verse number 8, and this is something that's going to be hard for some of us. He humbled himself to becoming obedient even to the point of death. Death on a cross. Now God is not asking you to go out and physically be hung on a cross. He is not asking that you give your life to be beaten, to be ridiculed, to have a crown of thorns placed on your head and beat in. But He's asking you to humble yourself enough that the thoughts and the needs of others comes before your own. We used to have a man down home and, and Brother Jerry was a retired military man. And he would always tell people as we would always start a big campaign before vacation Bible school and the summer revival and all of going out and visiting. And Jerry would always say, when you're going out, load the trunk of your car up with groceries. Because when you knock on that door, if you don't feed the body, they're not going to listen. When the children of Israel were walking across, did God send them with nothing at all? Or did He feed them? 
our pantry, this food fight that we've got going on between men and women out there. We've got so much food right now out there, they're having to stack it in the floor. That ought to got an amen from a Baptist to have more food than you got table. But right now, people in this church have humbled themselves to take time out of their day to go and buy and bring so others can have. Paul said we need to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves that we are willing to die to self. Die to self. To be filled up with God. Matter of fact, Paul said it, to die is to gain. To live. If I live, I can tell more people what God has done for me. But if I die, I'm with God. So we need to be humbled. We look now at verse number 9. For this reason God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, those in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We are to exalt Christ. We are to lift Him up. Christ said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. What do we want to do? We've got Christians that want to exalt their self and be raised up. We've got Christians that want to stand up and and be recognized for everything that they do. They want to be the one that is honored. I love the group this week because nobody said Look what i done. But it's look what God's done here. Now I know there were nights in the kitchen when the, when the ladies felt like they had, you know, the, the couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread. And God was going to have to bless that to get everybody fed. And He did. There were nights that people were tired. They were wore out. They were just exhausted. But they came and they served God. And God was lifted up and He was exalted. And not them. Paul said, just do one thing. Be like Christ. Be like Christ. But let's go back and read the rest of what Paul said there. Paul said just one thing. Live your life in a manner worthy of Christ. Worthy of the gospel. That I will, whether I come, whether he's standing right here in our midst or not, he'll hear that we're doing what Christ wanted done. If I'm absent, if I'm all the way around the other side of the county, I'll hear, hey, did you hear what Riverton did this week? 
Did you hear about the 12 people that gave their heart and life to Jesus? And that news would spread. But let's look a little further. Paul said, and I will hear about you. You that are standing firm in one spirit, in one mind, working side by side for the faith that comes from the gospel. This morning, this is what we really want to talk about. When we're being Christ-like, are we standing together as one? Are we standing together as a body of believers? Now last week, and, and, and I, I am so grateful, I'm, I, my heart was so humbled, Katie and I were so, you know, when Derek and, and the, the group walked back in, Shannon, Angie, and Mashiach, when they came in, and they said it was unanimous. You all agreed in one. And that touched us. But this morning, I want to ask you, as you stood last week and you voted as one, will you stand with me and vote as one when things are not like they used to be? Will you stand with me when the order of service is not what you want it to be, or like it used to be, will you stand with me? When we open up our doors and we see people coming in that we don't know, that we don't have no part of, that have never seen them, but will you stand with me in welcoming them in? And it's easy to say yes when you're sitting inside the church. It's easy to agree when you're in a Sunday school room. And it's easy to agree, even out in the parking lot. But it gets harder when you cross the road. When you actually meet the real world. But will you stand with me as we go out into the real world? When we start offering a program here at this church that will bring people in to give them hope and joy and peace that have been finding it in some kind of an addiction somewhere else, will you stand with me and welcome them in? This morning when we change, our officer's coming up and there's someone new or someone different doing a job. You stand united and accept them and pray for them and help them. Will you stand with me for that? This morning, we sung different songs. Oh, now I took my glasses off because I really didn't want to see the look on some of your faces when I said that. I'm going to put them back on because this morning I want to talk to you just a minute, just about that. Will you stand with me when our music is not what you used to have? 
whether it is a church choir singing Amazing Grace or Phil Wickham singing This is Amazing Grace, it's still the same grace about the same God. Will you stand with me when we're, we don't have a quartet up here singing how beautiful heaven must be, but mercy means as I can only imagine, it's still talking about the same heaven. When we've got a congregation standing here singing, just as I am, 39 verses of it, and nobody comes. It's the same God that says in David Crowder's come as you are. The same message. When you're asked to get up and do something a little bit different than what you're used to, will you stand with me? This morning we had some folks that swapped sides of the church. They sat on a different aisle this morning. And I, I, and I love y'all. I, I do. I love every one of you. But if we took out the back six pews on each side, some of y'all couldn't come to church next week. You would walk in and look and go, they didn't want me here. I'm gone. Is that not true? I have honestly been in a church and walk in and see a lady walk up, tap a feller on the leg and go, that's my seat. If somebody else was sitting in your spot next Sunday, would you still stand with me? When we sing that song, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior, it's the same Savior that third day sings about when it says cry out to Jesus. It's the same God. It's the same love. It's the same grace. You may not get saved to the same sermon that I got saved at. The sermon I got saved at talked about a still small voice. After all the big explosions, after all the big winds, after all the big things, were done it was still that still small voice that called out we've got churches that have they'll have light shows and fog machines and they'll have laser beams shooting across the stage and that's fine but at the end of the service it's still that still small voice that's calling you and calling me. Paul said there's just one thing. Just one thing. Probably should have told you all this before you voted last week. But I've only got one sermon and that's how God loves you. In every situation in your life, God still loves you. And part of that sermon is to tell you that God's Son died for you. Died for you. And you may look at your life and think, oh, he didn't really do He did it for you. Will we stand firm as one 
this morning and say, look at the world straight ahead, straight on and say, I'm standing with one mind and in one spirit that we're going to be Christ-like in all that we do. In our actions, in our walk, and in our talk. We have the bonfire for the youth. And I told you last week, if you're alive and breathing, you're a youth. Will you stand with them and encourage them? Will you stand with them when maybe they don't dress the same way that you dress? Will you stand with them? Will you stand with me when I don't even tuck my shirt in? Will you stand with me when, when I, I sweat so bad it runs in my eyes? Do you still stand with me? Paul said, there's just one thing. Live like Christ lived. Can you imagine if Christ had only went to a select group? Would you be in? If Christ went to one select group of people, would you be in? Paul said in the book of Acts when he was in prison that he had people from the Sanhedrin, he had people from the church, he had people from the taverns that came and saw him. People that are different from you show up. Will you still be Christ-like? morning as we get ready to close we're going to sing a song this morning and it's, it talks about emptying out ourselves and being filled with God and how God can keep making us like Him this morning will you stand with me and let Christ keep making us more like Him will you stand with me and know and know Beyond a shadow of a doubt that He is Savior and Lord. And if we exalt Him, we empty out ourselves, and we raise Him up, we'll raise up this church. We will not have revival when the bank account is overflowing, when the pews are full, when the parking lot doesn't have anywhere else to go. We'll have revival when hearts and lives are filled with God. And we are part of that. Will you stand with me? This morning as we pray, I want everyone to stand and their singers getting ready to come up. And Father, when, when we get ready, when we close, if you want to stand, let's stand together united in one spirit and in one mind. Father, we thank you so much this morning for your love and your grace. Father, we, we, we thank You for that one thing that You've asked us for, Lord. Father, that is to represent You here on this earth. And Father, the only way we can represent You here on this earth, Lord, is to be like Your Son. Father, this morning I'm asking, Father, that hearts be cleared out, hearts be emptied, minds be opened, souls be renewed, Lord, that we could stand United as one. 
Father, when things are not the way we want. Father, when things are different than we used to be. And Father, there's a clear-cut direction of things changing that will stand united in one spirit, in one mind, raising up one God. And Lord, that's you. Father, as we start to sing this morning, we just pray that your spirit would flow in this room this morning, Lord. Touch hearts and lives. Father, direct us to where you want us to be. Father, it's in your name. Amen.